This week on Currently Trending with Harper's Bazaar Arabia, Arab Fashion Week, the new face of Saudi, and Ramadan collections. We love smashing those stereotypes on what modesty is. Is it a fad? Is it a movement? Is it a moment? She's going to be representing a region on a global scale. Hi, I'm Emily Baxter-Priest, the Deputy Editor of Harper's Bazaar Arabia, and I'm here with Mohammed Sultan, Emirati-style arbiter and the name behind Bazaar's monthly best dress column, and Gislan Gwenez, the founder and CEO of e-com luxury fashion platform, The Modest. Today we're talking about what's trending in the fashion world, and to kick us off, let's talk about fashion in the region and why it's such an exciting time to focus on here. So first up, Last month, the Islamic Fashion and Design Council hosted the Preta Cover event at City Walk. It was a five-day event focusing on bringing international modest fashion collections and fashion designers to the region. So I don't know if either of you guys had time to attend or you went to see it or you heard much about it. Well, I personally followed a little bit on social media and I noticed that, um, you know, they're really trying to push uh, modesty in as a trend right now and that's my opinion because it existed for such a long time and it's basically in our religion and in our culture not tapping into that at all but it's also become more apparent now um, as an industry why did this not start many years ago um, is it because uh, you know, the world is changing, social media is getting us all closer, is it because of the current political issues? There's so many questions that run in my head. Because for me, growing up here, I've seen it all my life. But um, from a different perspective, I'm going to let Rizlan basically continue because that's her domain and explain to us her theory and what she thinks about this. Um, um, we were we were participants in the IFDC event actually, and um, I think um, I think I take these things with a with a very positive perspective in the sense that it's it's very important to shed the light on something that's not necessarily very known, and you're going to have so many different perspectives when you talk of a of a uh, you know a sort of new topic, maybe not. It's inherently part of our part of the, uh, our world, but not necessarily known and understood by everyone. And it's a very diverse topic and it's very subjective and there's a lot of opinions. And so you're going to have, um, you know, people starting to try and do things to shed the light uh, about it. And IFDC has been doing this, Alia Khan, for mm -hmm. a while now. So it's not, uh, she's one of the first people to start talking about it. Um, my, my view on this is that, um, you know, we're trying to create an ecosystem on, on modest fashion. And so every every person who does um, their bit is going to contribute to people understanding a little bit more what it is. To um, sort of address a little bit um, Hamad's uh, question, I always say this when people talk to me about modest fashion. I say, I mean, it's not new. People, women have been dressing this way across religions and regions and age groups for hundreds and, you know, for, for as long as they existed. Um, but I also to say that sometimes, um, well, a number one, I think social media is a very important thing, which which you had mentioned. Uh, a girl in Indonesia right now can see another. Let's take hijabi for example. A hijabi girl in Indonesia is seeing, you know, a girl in New York and how she's dressed and you know with her hijab and how cool she looks and connecting with her and thinking, well, I can look this way and this also works for me. And and I think that started sort of a dialogue that really sort of amplified on. And it really helps media. sort of build a global. 
modest fashion industry totally. as opposed to something that's just specific to the Middle East. And totally. I think that's really what the IFDC Pretty Cover event wanted to do. It wanted to bring modest fashion brands from international countries to the region to help connect them to buyers here, to, again, grow that conversation and, and help sort of bring diversity into the industry. The way I look at it is like all of these um, modest trends that are coming out right now are also modernizing, you know, how women should look. You should not look like, you know, you're a miserable, um, you know, dark person that's constantly covered. I mean, modesty mm -hmm. in reality, if you have to explain it, is to cover your, you know, your hairline and your wrists and ankles. So anything, you know, your in, hands in, can in the, show. In the Islamic. In the Islamic, in the Islamic manner, manner. But obviously modesty as a word itself. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking again, sorry, this is my opinion. Sure. Growing up in a culture where it's, you know, I've seen it and I've grown, grown up with it, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. And I don't. You know, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't bat uh, an eyelid if I saw it anywhere in the world. To me, modesty is decency and it's always about being elegant and being chic, not just because of a certain belief or a certain uh, religious factor or cultural factor. And uh, like Ghazlan tapped on, you know, anywhere on the global scale, you do see women that are modest, be it religion, be it mm -hmm. a culture, be it traditions as well. You know, in India, women cover, nuns cover, you know, in the Jewish religion, women cover. Mm -hmm. um, it's, again, modesty. Um, but, but again, what I love about the movement currently and the trends that are happening currently is that they're modernizing it. Mm -hmm. It's visually being accepted, yeah. socially being accepted. Um, you know, and, and it's a beautiful thing because being modest is not wrong. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think, sorry. No, no, after you. <laughs> no, I was just saying, I mean, this is part of what we do at The Modest is actually just smashing some of these stereotypes and, and saying that. And to me, modesty is such a wide spectrum mm -hmm. and it ranges from a woman who wears a burqa or covers her entire face to someone who is dressed like me today, mm -hmm. you know, in a modern way where it's, you know, I, I find it modest. So truly, it's it's very wide and it's subjective. So we try not to define it. And as you say, it's not solely about religion or culture. Absolutely. It's, a, it's a way of life. It's, Absolutely. it's a thought process. And a lot of the women that we feature in the magazine, um, you know, across the year, when we ask them, what is your definition of modest? Some of them say freedom of expression, which yeah. probably goes complete 180 on what most people would have think modest dressing is about. And I think that's a really interesting take on on modesty is that actually it allows people to be free. Mm -hmm. So so one of the things that we love doing is smashing those stereotypes on what modesty is and the fact that it's not necessarily, it's not frumpy, it's not boring, it can be as trendy as what you see on the runways, it just respects the parameters mm -hmm. within which you choose to, you choose and I think choice is a very important thing for us. Um, in, in what we do um, to to dress. But I think another interesting thing is also that fashion is going through, um, and the fashion industry is going through a, a an evolution, mm -hmm. right, of, of more inclusiveness, I think, and just more understanding that the woman that buys fashion is such a diverse mm -hmm. woman, and she's not necessarily one look, one type, mm -hmm. one color, one ethnicity. And, and we're seeing that a lot. And part of it is also this woman who dresses modestly. And so I think I think it's interesting times to for for this to start um, for modest fashion to sort of you know um, give momentum. And I think if you look to the industry, to the wider industry, not just here, you look at other e-com platforms, you look at other big department stores, and a lot of them have um, uh, you know like a modest section on their websites. They have um, uh, you know they have targeted fashion specifically for um, women who do prefer to dress stylishly but conservatively. So it's obviously 
you know, it's a movement. Um, but I suppose the question is, and it's a question we get asked all the time, and I'm sure um, Gisla and you do too, is it a fad? Is it a movement? Is it a moment? What, what do you both think about sort of the future of modest fashion? Uh, it's, it's a tough question because <laughs> you know what? I look at it from a business perspective right now and people are tapping into it completely from a commercial point of view. People tend to forget that modesty existed before history. So whether they tap on it now or tap on it 10 years from now, it will always exist. It's not a fad, 100%. in my opinion. It's not. It's just that, you know, the microscopes and all of the telescopes yeah. are on it right yeah. now because it is becoming mm -hmm. a movement and it is becoming, you know, a statement, you know, and, um, you know, the news and the media on a global scale is paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. Nike just released last year, I believe, the first uh, hijab. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's uh, educating people. It's showing them that uh, not just, you know, the fact that it's um, that, you know, that they're catering f uh, for, for a larger um, um, audience. And I suppose, as you say, it's kind of growing traction because so many people are joining the movement at the moment. So that's why everyone's eyes are on it. And but there's an education behind yeah, it as well. And it, that's, you know, slow, slow. But um, as with everything that, um, you know, gains movement very quickly, something else will, will take place in, in a month or a year's time. And it doesn't mean that the movement won't still be there. It will just become less of a movement. It will become more of you know, normal life, so to speak. I think it's it's something that happens very uh, often with so many different trends across the board, whether whether it's industries like, you know, discovering the internet or whether it's, you know, a trend within fashion or the minute that people see um, that there is um, an interesting niche or an interesting industry, everybody wants to tap yeah. into it. Some people would do will do it with authenticity mm -hmm. and will do it with, you know, the right, the right reasons. Mm -hmm. And some people will want to activate on it because it's a quick gain, right? And I think what's important is to understand that when you're addressing a niche and when you're addressing, you know, a frustrated woman who's been probably, you know, um, addressed in a in, in a way that was not necessarily meaningful and, and cynical mm -hmm. it, it's to, yeah. to, to a degree that um, authenticity becomes very, very important. Yeah. And they know when it's an activation and sometimes they sort of react to it negatively and they know when it's authentic. Um, and I think even as it's sort of of, you know, slows down and it, uh, you know, the, the madness and the yeah. hype around it sort of, yeah, um, pairs, yeah, pairs down a little bit. There will still be, as Muhammad said, the women that dress like this day in will and day still life, be here. their entire yeah. lives, exactly. And they'll still want a destination to mm -hmm. go to and they'll still want inspiration and, yeah. and all of that. So that leads me on to the next hot topic, another event, which is our Fashion Week, which is obviously happening um, in April. And um, so the dates were moved from the 26th to the 31st of March, and then now the event is now taking place in Saudi, in, in Riyadh, um, from the 10th to the 14th of April. So it's obviously, again, another platform um, within the region, which um, I think the mission statement for them is to help nurture and discover Arab talent of the future. So, you know, the premise behind it is obviously very, very exciting to us and to anybody that works in the fashion industry. Um, but I'd be really inter interested to know sort of, you know, from a sort of fashion industry perspective and a, a style arbiter perspective, what your take is. My opinion on that, to be quite honest with you, Emily, is that all of these fashion weeks that are happening around the region are currently claiming that they're discovering new talent or 
you know, t- taking existing ones and doing things with them, but how far are they going with mm-hmm. them, you know? It's, it's not your current discovery, unfortunately. Um, uh, you know, uh, there is no foundation for mm-hmm. these fashion weeks. There is no fashion council in any of the Arab states that's running appropriately. There is no manufacturing industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely there's not enough academics that support, uh, you know, fashion students. So, you know, creating mentorial men- mentor um, uh, programs, as you suggested, um, or um, doing In- internships, any- internships as well, you know, mm-hmm. being able to have an industry as well that will export these mm-hmm. talents on a global scale has yet is yet to happen. So until that happens, I do not take any fashion weeks that do exist mm-hmm. in the region seriously. I think it's difficult because they, they, these designers and up-and-coming designers or pre-existing designers are being given this amazing platform where suddenly, you know, this region and the world is looking at them and giving them a platform to showcase their talents. But exactly as you say, once once the lights are shut off and the catwalk's been cleared, the guests have gone home. And then, then dreams what, are shattered. Then what happens dreams to Dreams are shattered, you I know? Mean, you like, how come none of the retail stores are buying their collection? How come, the you know, the governments are not supporting them? How come no one is sending, seeing or, or discovering the talent as they say? And, like, you know, giving them a scholarship to go complete their education. Um, you know, structuring a business uh, for them, uh, setting up a proper business plan on how we're going to make this happen for you. I actually blame the industry mm-hmm. and I blame uh, a lot of, um, you know, basically the rules and regulations on I, maybe we don't have the know-how properly and there's no one in in, in our current uh, industry that's capable of taking such roles to decide and make mm-hmm. these decisions government sector, private sectors, municipalities, you know, even like leadership. There is no one right now that's currently, uh, you know, being the face for that to say, no, this is how it's going to happen. Let's start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Let's build the foundations correctly Mm -hmm. and let's save all of these talents that do exist and, you know, nurture them Mm -hmm. slowly and export them eventually and create, you know... Because we do hear this a lot from especially um, design um, students that we speak to or, um, you know, up-and-coming designers who are working on their first or second collections. They have the ideas, they've, you know, finished college, they have their degrees. What do they do next? Where do they go? How do they get introduced to the pattern cutters, to the, to the um, you know, the fabric um, merchants? Textile te- Textile, exactly. to the distributors. How do they get introduced to the buyers? And but also trends, you know. I know, for example, I visited the British Fashion Council, and they have uh, textile, you know, inspiration um, uh, PDFs, mm. uh, colors, uh, themes, um, what's going to be trending, what to look forward to in the next six months, what are the focuses on from an editorial perspective, Anna Wintour sits and visits every single one of them, you know? I mean, this is an industry that embraces each other. And is helping to, Ab- to grow on and build the, the interior industry. Sadly and unfortunately, in Dubai or in the Arab world, we do not have that, you know? I think people, you know, are still struggling to meet in the middle. There's a lot of ego. Mm. You know, there's a lot of nobody wants to take criticism. And when you do criticize them, they take offense. I've actually given myself, uh, you know, from the designers that I do know, and they're very limited, and I consider them like family. I sat with them and I said, who edits your collection? Mm. Who tells you that this is right? Nobody. Mm. Nobody tells them anything. And half of the time they send things out on the runway and you're like, oh, my God, who's going to wear that? Mm. And sometimes it's like a complete success. But it's it's also with luck, Mm. in my opinion. Mm. So... When will this industry be taken seriously? I have no idea, but I won't. 
bet on it for the time <laughs> being. I'm going to be patient and I'll keep my fingers crossed and I won't frustrate myself. But are you excited to see what Arab Fashion Week has to hold? I would love to. I mean, uh, I was not impressed for the past few seasons. Mm-hmm. And this is the cynical Mohammed speaking right <laughs> now, but also a patriotic Mohammed, yeah. you know, who... I look at it from this is this is where this is represents me. Mm-hmm. This represents this is your, where I this come is from. Your, your country, you know, your and, region. I, and I've seen it happen abroad, and I've seen you know, it could be a little bit messy, but I've seen how it works abroad. Mm-hmm. Why can't we implement this here? We have the tallest buildings in the world. We have the amazing retail. We have all the you know, Harper's Bazaar and so on. Why why do we not have what they have abroad? Mm-hmm. And to to say that we are going to be on that line for, of New York, Milan, mm-hmm. London, Paris, Dubai, or Arabia? No, I don't think it's going to happen. I have um, a couple of perspectives on this. I think one, I certainly agree on the point that designers need um, support beyond an event. And I think this is where the letdown happens is that I meet designers from the region all the time. I think some of them are so talented, but just lack the know-how and and the guidance. I mean, they they actually don't know what it takes to, they don't understand what merchandising a collection means. They don't understand what, you know, the commitment of season after season in terms of production. They don't, they don't know how to produce. They don't have access to funding. I mean, being a, a designer and having a, a brand is not an easy thing. It's not something where you make money quickly. It's, it's a very hard business. I mean, from a business perspective. So I think even understanding what it entails as a business, I don't think most, I think most designers don't even know that. But I think it's difficult because you can't blame them for not knowing. No, I don't. No, exactly. No not there That's why it's, about, education. it's about exactly. the ecosystem the, yeah. having the right mentors and the right people and the having right and, and allowing and creating a bridge between these designers mm-hmm. and these mentors to to sort of, you know, um, share the, yeah. the, the knowledge, right? There's also a lack of, of um, just infrastructure in general. I mean, if a designer wants to manufacture anything, here it's hard to access any production you know um, and it's costly uh, or factories minimums uh, uh, fabrics and and the list goes on so there's definitely um, a lack of support for good talent in the region Um, and I think an event is wonderful but I think as you were saying the foundation of the tenets of the events one of the tenets needs to be what are the designers coming out with you know who are the buyers that are coming in to see the collections what are we giving to the designers after are we bringing potential investors into the event and so on and so forth. line sheets. I've sat with a designer who had an immaculate show and I'm like, show me your line sheet. He's like, what's the line sheet? (laughs) No, but we we get that all the time from (laughs) some of the designers we have on on board. I think the second perspective, to to be fair also, is that um, an an event in the region, and uh, I've spoken to a couple of... um, people who had mentioned you know the 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 people who were coming to the event and i think that having people from the us and from the uk and from outside the region come to saudi um in in an event interact see some of the talents that exist as as you said mohammed i think it's a good thing it's a positive thing i think that a lot of what is known about us in the region is seen through the news and the media and it's not necessarily good news nine, we were, we were talking nine about out of 10 times Exactly. Earlier. So so to me, um, creating a little bit of 
of exposure into an area of creativity and design and talent is is something that is, um, you know, just just a positive angle for for some of the the beautiful things that we have in our part of the, of the world that don't get the the necessary exposure. Um, but I think there is um, work to be to be done around you know the the fashion events here and really making them. I would personally um, stop everything and start from scratch properly. Honestly, that's how I would look at it. You know, I don't think we're ready as an mm-hmm. industry. I don't think we're ready at all. I feel like it needs just a hardworking team that will like set, you know, that, that will work 24-7 for two years to launch it properly all over mm-hmm. again and the proper way with the council, with the manufacturing industry, with a proper foundation, having great leaders running this who understand how to do a fashion week. Okay, well, those were some really interesting insights. Thank you, guys. Um, Another topic, hot topic at the moment, um, coming out of Saudi is this fabulous model called Talida Tamer, who we actually featured in our April issue of Harper's Bazaar Arabia. And you can see the full story and the fashion shoot on our website, um, harpersbazaararabia.com. Now, Talida Tamer is um, a 17-year-old Saudi-Italian model. Um, She is about to turn 18, and she is the daughter of um, an Italian model called Christina Tamer, who has walked for the likes of Giorgio Armani. Now, Christina is, um, she's absolutely stunning, um, as you can see from the story. And it's a really exciting time for her because, um, obviously, there's new reform in Saudi. She's a new model um, with a new platform, and um, she's also... um, the first high fashion Saudi model, and she will be fronting the Anthony Grimaldi Couture campaign launching this spring and walking for couture shows in Paris. So it's a really exciting story for us. Um, I don't know if you guys had heard of her before you... I actually saw it on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, on the Harper's Bazaar um, account, and I did like follow up on the link and I saw her. I'm looking at her pictures right now in the magazine. <laughs> so um, I think all of you who are listening to us, if you haven't seen her yet, please log on to the website. She is absolutely gorgeous, but I have one question. Yep. Can she walk? <laughs> I think that's you know, Mohammed, that's a great question. I'm not going to lie, I haven't seen her walk. I have seen her pose. You know, that's what happened with Iman and Calvin Klein. Yeah. Like a few years ago. Well, I guess we'll see. Well, I guess we'll see come uh, come July with the Paris Couture shows. But it's. Um, I think it's just really exciting for us, you know. That it's such it, an exciting Again, thing. you know, we've already talked about, um, uh, you know, the fact that all, um, all eyes are on this region at the moment from uh, the fashion industry and the modest movement. But there are obviously a lot of um, Muslim models who um, have been given a voice and a platform and are doing incredibly well. And a lot of them probably say that they don't want to be tagged with, you know, being a Muslim model or a Middle Eastern model. They just want to be renowned and known for exactly what they are, which is a model, um, you know, a beautiful face, perhaps. You know, we've got the likes of Aman Hamam and Hin Sali and Nora Atal and now Talida Tamer. So I don't know, Ghislaine, obviously you you feature models in um, on The Modest and in your magazine. Mm-hmm. So perhaps you can tell me what you think about, you know, a Talida, but also the future of, you know, models coming out of this region. 
I mean, I think it's it's very interesting, and it certainly is, you know, a um, an indication of you know change and and evolution and um, and uh, you know what's how it's happening in the region. And there is obviously a new generation that is showcasing the reality and the diversity that exists in um, in in our part of the world. And you know, we talk about modesty, but more importantly, uh, we talk about choice. For us, mm-hmm. it's about choice, and it's about exercising your choice, and that's where. The, the the power is whether you dress modestly or not as long as it is you know mm-hmm. what you what you what you choose to do um, and I think you know the one thing that I wanted to that that came to my mind when I saw Talida and you know she's she's a reflection of obviously an openness but I think that I've met so many Saudi women that wear the abaya day in and day out and they're some of the most open-minded educated culture and doing very impactful thing in um, in Saudi in the social scene in in the work scene and and so on so um, it's it's very interesting to to see this but it's also very interesting to remember that even the women that are in Saudi they're not necessarily you know doing doing something physically that comes across as not non-conforming are have that open-mindedness that we are seeing here on the pages of of your magazine through Talida. Um, the future of models, I think I think probably Mohammed can talk to that well, more. I, I do want to say that she's extremely beautiful. She's gorgeous. I just hope she's ready for the responsibility mm-hmm. because she's going to be representing a region on a global scale. And, um, and there, a lot of responsibility comes with it. And it's a very stressful mm-hmm. job. You may think it's something easy, but being a model is not mm-hmm. easy at all. And I just hope that she's prepared for that. I just hope it's not going to be a short-lived stint. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- she has what it takes. Um, of course, they're going to refine her as she goes. Mm-hmm. She's going to get a lot of discrimination. She's going to face racism. You know, they they may see her as privileged as well. You know, um, I just I just hope that she has the strength and courage to fight through and to make all of us proud. Um, she has what it takes. I, there's nothing else I can say until I see her walk. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things um, that she mentioned in the interview for the April issue is that, um, you know, I being Saudi and what it's taught her and what it's given her and she's extremely proud of her culture and her history and her heritage and and what that also brings to her career as a model and um, you know hopefully she'll be able to take that forward as well and and retain that um, that pride um, when she hopefully hits the big time but like you said we will we'll see come come the couture shows and we Paris. are all behind you Talida <laughs> <laughs> well to, in in the April issue she's um, modeling Ramadan inspired collections mm-hmm. which um, segues us in nicely to our final topic this um, this podcast which is about Ramadan collections now obviously Ramadan um, the holy month starts on May the 15th mm-hmm. and um, in the April issue we also um, focused a lot on the beautiful Ramadan collections from regional designers as well as some international designers um, it's a huge market um, for but both regionally and internationally and um, April is one of the biggest shopping months of the year this year um, due to when Ramadan falls um, and we've seen some really beautiful collections already um, from the likes of um, Michael Kors, DKMY, um, Carolina Herrera, Shatha Essa, um, Beige, Baruni, Amal al lots and lots of really beautiful pieces. Um, now, Gislan, I guess this question is probably for you with uh, with the modest. I know that you um, obviously focus on uh, modest fashion, but also on, on Ramadan collections specifically. So what's your kind of take on the pre-Ramadan 
splurge, so to speak, in the month before Ramadan when everyone goes out and, you know, invests in really beautiful pieces for the holy month? I mean, it's it's a, such an important um, uh, occasion for us in this part of the world, and of course for Muslims um, across the the globe. And I think it's it's certainly a month where you can reconnect, you know, spiritually. But it's also a month where you go reconnect with family and with friends, and you spend time, um, you know, with 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 people um, who are close to you. And 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 most women want to do it in style. And um, so we've we've done um, quite a bit in terms of you know, bringing beautiful kaftans and designs um, to uh, the women in the region and, and everywhere else where we uh, where we uh, ship. Um, and we've done collaboration with, I think, around 15 or, or 20 international and regional mm-hmm. designers from Peter Pilotto to FRS to uh, Zusin Dion, Taler Marmo, Dimayad, uh, Bugessa, and the list, the list goes on. And it goes from, you know, whatever, whatever your style preference, if you want to be opulent or if you want to be understated and simple, uh, you'll find what, what you need. Um, There's also a lot of comfort, I, I believe. In <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Completely. I've, seen, I've mm-hmm. gone through the website and some of these pieces are just stunning. The kaftans, the jalabiyas. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, thank and you. Um, honestly, I, I advise all of you women to go check it out for <laughs> sure. And they deliver on the same day, no? Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Good USP. What, um, when you sort of speak to your designers, especially your international designers, about creating a piece specifically for Ramadan, mm-hmm. um, what is sort of, what's their sort of insight into it and what's their opinion on Ramadan and, and the sort of foundation, the fashion foundations behind it? The international designers I have found get extremely excited when you actually give them a particular woman as an inspiration. I mean, their their creativity mm-hmm. really runs wild and, and they love it. And so we do obviously share nuances around modesty, around Ramadan specifically. And it's interesting because Ramadan, even within our Middle Eastern region, if you look at different countries, I mean, the way what they choose to, to wear within the kaftan world is different. Some, uh, you know, some countries prefer more under stated the pastels and some others just want something you know that's more uh, opulent and more colourful Muhammad Muhammad is being something and a little bit tighter well, some, some women like things fitted no? not I in mean, Ramadan no, okay we do. don't we don't do that oh okay sorry ladies we, we give no them, tight clothes we, at the modest we, 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 give them, we give them comfort and style um, no actually the reality is that style is, is diverse and versatile <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but the kaftans that we have are obviously, you know, um, made for the occasion and just um, are relevant. Um, but yeah, I mean, we cater to to the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. Islam, I believe also it's not just Ramadan, like throughout the year, a lot of Islamic celebrations or I... Sorry to like again emphasize on Islam and because we're from mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. Um, we have Eids and we have sure. uh, you know there's a lot of uh, modest celebrations that do exist on For a global sure. scale. Do you find that that also encourages um, a lot of women to like uh, go on the website and check things out? Do you get suggestions like? Um, yeah, I mean, completely. I think what's interesting is that we have American women from the U.S. buying kaftans. Amazing. I think that is that is the interesting thing that we're seeing. And that shows you that, you know, a kaftan is not necessarily now mm-hmm. just a Ramadan piece. It's a piece that you can restyle and you can wear it in summer or you can wear it in a, you know, an elegant evening. And uh, and it truly has become a piece that is modernized, if, if you will. So, what about uh, the summer? What do you promote for summer wear? 
Oh, you have to check that out. <laughs> on the side. Look, we uh, truly, the way you look at the Modest is, you know, a beautiful site for luxury fashion, yes. period. We just happen to take the box of functionality for the Modest dresser. Mm -hmm. So we follow the trends. We see what the designers have. We just curate and we do the legwork for this woman mm -hmm. so that she doesn't have to spend, you know, hours trying to put an outfit yeah. together or, you know, look at. Well, as a very busy working mother of one, Gizlan, I'm very, very grateful to you for that. So Thank you very much. And it's obviously a very exciting time to be part of the fashion industry in the Middle East at the moment. And I'm certain there are plenty more groundbreaking events and movements to come. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Emily Baxter-Priest from Harper's Bazaar Arabia with Mohammed Sultan and Gizlan Gwenez. Now please log on to our social media channels at Harper's Bazaar Arabia and let us know your thoughts on the topics we've discussed today and anything else you'd like us to discuss in our next issue of Currently Trending.